5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Well, that could only mean Pirate Football released their schedule today, right? Welcome in, everybody. Oh, what a jam-packed and loaded edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. We have giveaways today in a couple different segments. Uh, we have a legendary NASCAR writer. He's with ESPN for a long time, now with Fox Sports. Bob Pockris is going to uh, join us today. Uh, and uh, he'll talk Ryan Newman. He'll talk the wild finish to the Daytona 500. Uh, speaking of uh, Ryan Newman, a uh, report just came out within the last 30 or 40 minutes that uh, Ryan Newman is uh, awake and talking to family. And if you saw that uh, spectacularly horrific crash yesterday to end the 500, uh, I, I was texted back and forth with Scott Shook and our guy Shook, who is never at a loss for words, uh, was beside himself. He, he It just felt so much like Dell Earnhardt, which... Uh, happened, uh, what was it, 19 years ago to the day today? Uh, just uh, so frightening. And, uh, you know, I, I had some work to do back in the office uh, here at home uh, at home last night. And, uh, you know, I, I went and looked, uh, kept TVs on. I mean, I kind of stayed up till uh, finally uh, Fox uh, broke in on FS1 with uh, the update and the uh, – the deal with uh, NASCAR and their official statement, which was good. But I mean, I, I like a lot of you I, were probably refreshing Twitter and refreshing Facebook every uh, few minutes on your phone to try to get an update. I mean, that just did not have a good feel to it yesterday. Uh, but uh, happy that uh, Ryan Newman is okay. He had actually been on the show last year, back in the spring, if I remember, and uh, was promoting the Charlotte races and uh, was a really uh, nice and genuine guy. So it was uh it's a good thing that uh, Ryan Newman is, is going to be okay. No timetable or, or any announcement on his return, but that's that's the least of anybody or should be the least of anybody's uh, worries. Uh, the Pirate football schedule out today, uh, the league releasing the, uh, the, the, the schedule, I like it. We'll get into it in a little bit uh, more here. Uh, you know, Marshall to open things at South Carolina, Norfolk State, and then a Thursday night game. After the Norfolk State game on the 24th of September against UCF, I think if you're going to have a Thursday night game in Greenville, better to have it in September personally. I think everybody will still be kind of amped up for the season uh, and uh, still fired up. And when I mean that, I mean like the, you know, the students uh, because it's a good time of year for the students to come out. It's still early in the year. There's still going to be a lot of excitement. I expect a huge student turnout uh, that night. Uh, the October slate uh, portion of the slate starts with Georgia State, uh, a trip to Atlanta there, a trip down to uh, Tampa and USF, and then uh, Navy for homecoming on the 17th. Then the Pirates will have their open week on the 24th, and uh, then a Friday night at Tulsa on uh, October 30th uh, before they uh, wrap up the year with a home game against Tulane to start November. Uh, Cincinnati and Temple back-to-back on the road. That's the only real sort of back-to-back road stretch. 
And then uh, the the Saturday after Thanksgiving is a little tough with SMU coming to town. Uh, but uh, if you're winning, people will probably be a little more engaged and a little more excited, uh, especially if a bowl bid could be on the line or, or if you're already bowl eligible and uh, trying to play for a little uh, improved position or a little more. Uh, and uh, we will see. Okay, uh, the the big story, and we'll get to looking at the schedule a little more detail. We're going to hear from Joe Dooley on uh, the Pirate basketball game that is coming up tomorrow night against uh, Memphis. We'll tell you where you can hear that game tomorrow night on our uh, IBX media network uh, stations, uh, where you can hear the baseball tomorrow, kind of give you a little check of the forecast for tomorrow, is making sure the baseball game will get off between uh, ECU at Campbell, we're going to have uh, Coach Godwin's comments, uh, some player comments, so a lot to, to sort of digest here and get to. Uh, and as we mentioned, Bob Pockris also coming up from Fox Sports, who so covers NASCAR. But let's go to the, fi- the phone lines now uh, to the National Weather Service offices down in uh, Newport, the town with old-fashioned old fashioned courtesy. Uh, and meteorologist Casey Dale is uh, with us uh, here. The big talk has been snow. Since we're not going to be on tomorrow because of Pirate Baseball, uh, we wanted to at least kind of get a, an early primer on what to expect before uh, Thursday rolls around. Uh, Casey, thank you for taking a few minutes with us here on uh, our, our show. Uh, what are we looking at as far as snow for Eastern Carolina and where? Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Um, well, what we're looking at, we um, have a coastal storm that's going to impact the area uh, Thursday into Friday. Um, there's still quite a decent amount of uncertainty regarding snow amounts, but the trend looks like we might see some light snow accumulations, especially for areas west of Highway 17, including Pitt County. Um, so right now we're forecasting about one to two inches um, for areas along and west of 17. Other areas could see more like a dusting or a coating. Um, like I said, we're still a little bit uncertain with how much moisture and how much cold air is going to be in place, but there's certainly um, a higher potential of seeing some light snowfall accumulations. So kind of that Highway 17 corridor to I-95 right now would be the sweet spot, you would say? It looks that way right now. I mean, it could change. I mean, we're still like about over 48 hours out. So, I mean, the forecast will likely change fluctuate a little bit here and there, probably over the next 48 hours. Um, so it could shift a little bit further eastward, but right now that looks like the best chance for any um, snow accumulation. Yes, sir. So how far north will this stretch? Um, I think it could stretch um, up into southeast Virginia, um, oh, up into okay. Wakefield, Virginia's area. They could see mm-hmm. some light snowfall accumulations up into southeast Virginia. Gotcha. So uh, areas north of here, uh, uh, Martin County and, uh, mm-hmm. and areas north can expect uh, can expect something out of this, I guess. So, yeah, I, it looks wow. that way. Mm, all right. Interesting yeah. uh, stuff there. Uh, Casey Dale, meteorologist, National Weather Service. We're talking about the potential for snow on uh, on a Thursday for uh, Greenville and Eastern Carolina. When you talk about, uh, you know, and again, we're, we're a couple of days out, as you noted, but when you're talking about uh, this event, how much snow will we see potentially? Is it, is it to co- enough to cover roadways? Is it, uh, if, if the temperature's been too warm with the roadways, could you maybe talk to us about that and how much snow we might see in areas? And that's a great question. So the roads have been really warm. Obviously, we've had a very mild winter. Um, so the road, the ground temperatures are very warm. So right now, any more significant accumulations would likely be seen across grassy or elevated surfaces. Um, but there's still the potential, like I said, right now we're forecasting one to two inches. Um, we could go up. Maybe there could be a 
potential for a few more inches. That's certainly possible this far out, given the uncertainty of this particular event. Um, and some places might not see a whole lot of snowfall. Um, so it just, but the ground has been very warm, so that will play a role into um, the accumulations for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, how w- this is coming in from the south? That's why I asked how far north this was going to mm-hmm. be for anybody who maybe isn't. Uh, so this kind of has a, I think a little bit of an unusual setup for snow like we normally would get in a way uh, for for North Carolina, right? Yeah, it is a little bit unusual. Um, most of the time, we do get a lot of our snowfall when we there's a coastal low offshore, which is what this is going to be. But it just depends on what spot it actually sets up how close the low is to the coast or how far it is offshore it just depends if it's further offshore that means we'll have more cold air in place typically if it's a little bit closer to the coast that means it'll tend to be a little bit warmer so that'll impact our precipitation type gotcha so w- would you say from newburn over to kinston down to jacksonville that line might see a little more snow because they'll see precip sooner or does it all sort of matter who wins the snow sweepstakes where the cold air converges with this precept the most, I guess. I think it's mainly the snow sweepstakes. So it really depends on where the cold air is in place and how much cold air is in place. Um, but right now that is what it looks like. Like I said, that line could shift a little bit over the you know coming, coming days. Um, so we're still a little bit uncertain, but that's what it looks like right now. Our, our, we have higher confidence for areas along and west of Highway 17 where they'll see a little bit higher snowfall accumulations. I see. So little Washington could, could be in a sweet spot, so to speak. They could be. Yeah, they yeah. could be. Gotcha. Absolutely. Uh, we've got Casey Dale, meteorologist with the Newport National Weather Service with us. Uh, snow's in the forecast. We will not uh, be here tomorrow because of Pirate Baseball, so we wanted to give everybody a little bit of a, a, a primer on this uh, in case uh, things have changed. And uh, certainly things have changed from those goofy uh, Facebook memes that your aunt is posting uh, on there. Don't buy those. We, we're going to bring you the real deal stuff uh, here with Casey. Uh, so we got rain in our forecast tonight for Eastern Carolina. We've got our, our pirates going down to Bowie's Creek tomorrow to play baseball. Would they be able to get that game uh, in? Is the rain going to be out of that area in enough time for a 4 o'clock first pitch tomorrow? Um, they might be okay. It looks like the rain is going to push off the coast pretty quickly late tomorrow afternoon, early evening. So um, a 4 p.m. start might end up being okay. Hopefully it'll work out well for them tomorrow. Okay. Well, good. There we go. So that is uh, what's happening uh, tomorrow. Pirate Baseball will be uh, in, uh, should be able to get in against Bowie's Creek. We know they'll uh, be able to have uh, the field ready to go down there uh, from that standpoint. So it, that's looking good. Uh, snow is in the forecast. Greenville very much in the bullseye. If you had to say right now, Casey, uh, timing of all this and what maybe Greenville can expect right now, sort of 48 hours from the event, and I think literally 48 hours from the event, uh, what can we expect? Well, the rain could be changing over to snow. We're expecting that between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Um, Thursday evening. So it could transition from rain to snow probably between those hours. That's what we're looking at right now. Gotcha. And is maybe a couple of inches of snow in Greenville is a possibility? Is Possibly. That, uh... it's, a, it's a possibility. Okay. All right. Casey Dale. Casey, we may be talking to you and your uh, your uh, brother in there at the National Weather Service uh, Thursday throughout the day. So uh, okay, I'm sure we'll be uh, here. our other morning shows will, and I'm sure we will uh, try to get you on as well. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Not a problem. My pleasure. All right. So there you go. A couple of uh, days out from this event, but uh, it's looking like uh, anywhere from 
uh, right along uh, the 17 corridor over to I-95, you probably are, are looking at a good possibility of having uh, some snow. And uh, I guess the rain's going to come through overnight, and uh, she feels pretty good about the chances of it uh, being out of the way for the game tomorrow. So you see you should be able to get the game in against uh, Campbell. I know they'll, uh, especially early on, uh, want to do that. Elijah Gill, by the way, who is a, uh, a transfer, a junior from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, was at uh, St. John's Rivers Community College. They've had a really uh, dynamite program the last couple of years, and uh, he was a frontline guy for them. Anyway, he, he's going to get the start tomorrow against the Camels, uh, and uh, that uh, is is going to be clearly a bullpen game. If you know two two innings probably would be what they'd want to get out of Elijah Gill. We're going to hear more from Coach Godwin on that coming up. But uh, if they could get, it's probably more about the pitch count and how he's looking mechanically than it is, you know, X amount of innings. But uh, if they got a couple of innings, maybe even got the three innings uh, out of him, they'd be over the moon. But if they can get two solid innings out of him tomorrow, I think you would feel good about that. Uh, We'll have the game for you here on 94.3, the game tomorrow. So it'll be uh, here uh, in our uh, normal slot tomorrow as uh, Pirate Baseball will be playing their uh, fourth game of the year and uh, heading over to uh, take on Campbell and Bowie's Creek, and that is uh, the Bowie's Creek Super Bowl. Uh, whenever East Carolina comes to town in baseball. Uh, we've also got Pirate Basketball. That'll air tomorrow night. Uh, that is a, a 7 o'clock tip, I believe, and a 6.30 airtime, and that will air on the 100,000-watt uh, flagship flamethrower of uh, ECU hoops and ECU football, 107.9 WNCT. Uh, I text with my guy, Cy Seymour, today. Cy was going to come on the show with us, but uh, he was under the weather. He is on the trip. He's expected to be on the air tomorrow. Uh, but uh, talking to Cy, at least through text, he's feeling better, but we didn't want to burden him today uh, with uh, uh, the responsibility of coming on and doing an interview, even though he insisted he would be happy to do it, uh, just because we wanted him to save his energy and save his voice and that sort of thing. So the Pirate football schedule is out. Oh, one other note here, and uh, we'll, we'll get a break in here to get uh, our Pirate report and also get some winners uh, crowned here uh, for uh, some tickets coming up. But uh, apparently Clemson and Georgia – have uh, set a game for uh, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on 9-2-21. The only problem is that ECU and Appalachian State were scheduled to play on that day, and uh, there's a possibility that, that game might get, or maybe it's 9-4, but the uh, point is the game could get moved up from that original Saturday slot that ECU and Appalachian State were scheduled for to Thursday or will get moved to another time. Uh, on the schedule. So we'll see. But uh, that uh, ECU game, if you were planning on Labor Day weekend, that Saturday in Charlotte in uh, 2021, uh, unless you're going to see Clemson and Georgia, uh, the ECU game is going to get moved off that Saturday. And uh, there are reports from uh, Stadium and some other uh, outlets that uh, early speculation that that could get moved uh, to Thursday. So the Pirates might be opening the 2021 season in Charlotte on a Thursday, which I think would be pretty cool. Uh, but uh, more on that is, as that develops and we get an official word uh, coming up. Uh, the 2020 season is uh, already laid out as far as ECU football goes. Uh, we'll dive into that. There are a couple of Thursdays, including one at home, a Friday game, 
uh, and uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving game, which uh, was not a real big attendance game last year. We'll see how that uh, plays out with SMU coming to town to wrap up the year in uh, 2020. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Before we uh, go to break here, uh, let's uh, crown a winner, shall we? 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. A pair of ECU Temple basketball tickets for the Sunday game at noon. And uh, hit the Rascal Flats, little Rascal Flats. Yeah. Their farewell tour. It's a win them before you can buy them. We got a pair of Rascal Flat tickets to give you. Uh, if you're caller seven, you'll win uh, that combo. ECU versus Temple Sunday at noon. So we give you a little prize now in the near future. And then one uh, for uh, later on in the year. Rascal Flats coming to Walnut Creek in Raleigh. And you can get uh, those tickets. Uh, 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. If you are caller 7, you will be a winner. Our pirate report, straight ahead. Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. This is quite a bold question that someone asked Joe. Uh, Pirate basketball tomorrow night against Memphis. Team leaving uh, soon, if they've not left already, to uh, make the trip out to Memphis to take on the Tigers. Uh, 7 o'clock, you'll hear it over on our uh, sister station, 107.9 WNCT. We'll have Pirate Baseball with a 4.45 airtime tomorrow with uh, Coach Overton, who will be our guest in studio Thursday, and uh, Corey Glore. They'll be uh, down at Campbell and Bowie's Creek, 5 o'clock first pitch as Elijah Gill will get the start, his first in an ECU purple and gold uniform. All right, uh, let's uh, – oh, congratulations, by the way, to Luke Gray of Winterville. He was the winner of our uh, ECU basketball uh, tickets for the game Sunday at Temple, uh, high noon at home. And uh, he also picks up a win them before you buy them. They go on sale Friday, the farewell tour for Rascal Flats, closest they're coming to Greenville's Walnut Creek. And uh, he won a pair of tickets to see Rascal Flats. So congratulations to you, Luke. We appreciate uh, you uh, listening and calling in. All right. Um, well, let's before we get to Joe, let's start with the football uh, uh, schedule, which was released today. I can give you some of my uh, thoughts on that. As we talked about uh, kind of going to break, uh, I really, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people like it. They like the idea of it being balanced. Uh, you know, I'm never crazy about where you have to turn around and play on a Thursday after playing on a Saturday. Uh, but, uh, you know, ECU did that last year. They're not having to travel. It's, it's coming out of the Norfolk State game and the Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, and it's UCF. It'll be the conference opener. So everybody will be amped. I think a great crowd could be here that night. I think a lot of people will be fired up for that game. And if you look how the schedule is, I mean, that could be a real important, uh, they're all important, but that could be an extremely important early game uh, on September 24th. But the Pirates open against Marshall. They'll uh, take on South Carolina down in Columbia on the 12th, 19th, the uh, game against Norfolk State, and then UCF uh, at, uh, at Dowdy Ficklin on a Thursday. Uh, then uh, after uh, that, the Pirates will travel to Atlanta to take on Georgia State on October 3rd, the 10th, a uh, trip at USF. So those are actually the first of two back-to-back road games uh, earlier. And uh, then Navy for homecoming on October 17th, the open week on the 24th. Uh, Pirates come back on a Friday and play at Tulsa. 
which I think if you're going to play on a Friday, you in some ways you might want to do that on the road. Uh, I think that would be a, an attendance nightmare in some ways uh, here. So I'm, I mean, if you got to do it, better to do it on the road, in my humble opinion. Uh, Tulane uh, on November 7th, still uh, warm enough uh, to uh, have a good crowd in the stadium that day. Tulane will be a good ball team. Uh, and then back-to-back games on the 12th of November. Uh, that is a Thursday. That's one of those quick turnarounds uh, at Cincinnati. They'll be very good, of course. And then at Temple on the 21st. So you'll actually have a little bit of a break between those road games of about 10 days. But those are two physical football teams to be playing late in the year. Uh, SMU, the Saturday after uh, Thanksgiving, November 28th. Uh, that would be my only you know, game that I kind of crinkle my nose at a little bit. Uh, that's that's a tough date to uh, to get uh, students back, obviously, and, and play a home game. And it's just not it's just not Greenville. I mean, it's all over certain programs around the country. That Saturday after Thanksgiving is a tough one. But uh, on the whole, I really like the way the schedule sort of lays out. That was released today. We've got the whole thing up on uh, our social media, 94.3 The Game, uh, Facebook, and at 94.3 The Game on Twitter. And we'll get a, a copy of that up on the uh, gram as well. All right, let's uh, look at our uh, pirate report. I, I had to have this question sorted out in my mind. I guess essentially the, the crux of the question is, does he feel like the team, despite all its new talent, has underachieved this year? And this is what Joe Dooley had to say. I've done this a long time. If I could figure it out, I'd write a book and be retired so I could live off the residuals. But, uh, you know, I think part of it's on us as a coach. I think part of it's on the players. We've talked about it. you got to be ready from the start. Uh, I thought, you know, the Tulsa game, obviously they were they were coming off a couple losses and they needed to get back on track and they came out with good energy, which we need to match. And then, you know, we sort of found our footing. And I thought on, on Sunday our, our start was horrific. Um, and, you know, our guys found their footing a little bit after that. Uh, let's do cut seven here, Ben, uh, a, a scouting report of the Memphis Tigers, which, of course, they don't have uh, the uh, the great uh, Whiteside kid that they were going to have that uh, had a lot of people picking them to go to the Final Four this year. But they still got a lot of young talent, but they, they just haven't had that with James Whiteside out. They just haven't had their Wiseman out. They haven't had that same, uh, you know, they've been a little inconsistent. They've played like a young team without Wiseman in the lineup. This is uh, Joe Dooley uh, scouting Memphis for us. Like us, they're very young. I mean, I think the freshmen, you know, are trying to find their way around a little bit. I mean, obviously very talented. You know, Boogie Ellis and Precious, you know, Precious is a lottery pick. And, you know, Lance Thomas was a very heavily recruited. All these guys are very heavily recruited guys. I mean, um, you know, but I, I think the other thing we talk about all the time, you know, you know, one of the commentators said the other day, you know, your stars don't count in college. And I think those guys, they've, they've figured it out. And, you know, they're starting to get better. Lomax is a really good player. And, uh, they've got a, a real good roster. I think they've got a nice set rotation right now. We mentioned J.J. Miles, and that was just a bizarre lineup with him out in overtime uh, yesterday or Sunday. And uh, part of that is apparently Miles suffered a little bit of an injury. Uh, cut three here, Ben, uh, where he uh, talks about Miles getting injured in the game against the Bearcats. Yeah, he just did one of those deals, and some of those things are you know actually worse when you do it than they are later. And he practiced yeah. yesterday, and um, but he, he didn't. When I asked him how you know he asked to come out of the game, he said I tweaked my ankle. And then when I asked him how he was doing, he sort of gave me a so I, yeah. And then uh, Joe further on the uh, status of JJ Miles health wise, and and the decision once he kind of gave Joe that look that Joe talked about there, uh, you know the decision to, to take J.J. out of the game because he played so well. 
kid a little dinged up. He tweaked his ankle, and you know, for a minute he asked to come out. And then when I asked him how he was doing, he, he didn't respond real well. I mean, he, he said, "I, you know, almost gave me I don't know." Um, and so I just decided after that to. I, mean, I wish you know he played well. We wish we but we just I tweaked his ankle. It was I didn't feel real confident. So pirate basketball uh, tomorrow night at Memphis as uh, ECU will try to uh, make it back to back on the road. Wouldn't that be cool if uh, the Pirates uh, could get uh, the uh, victory against uh, Memphis uh, at uh, at uh, uh, their brand or their uh, beautiful arena out there? The NBA team plays, and despite the the Grizzlies being out there, the, that town still gets very fired up for Memphis. They're one of the ugliest courts in the country this year, but. Uh, they're young and talented, and a lot of people still feel like if they could get their act together, they could uh, make a run. They may have to kind of win their way in with the conference tournament, but uh, they've got so much talent, we will see. All right, uh, Cliff Godwin uh, today. We talked to uh, Cliff uh, a little bit before the uh, uh, game, before the practice got started, uh, and uh, this is uh, what uh, Cliff had to say for uh, the uh, team after uh, the rough start uh, to uh, the beginning of uh, the game uh, against uh, William and Mary in uh, game one to start the year. You know, if anybody struggled, so um, look, baseball is a hard sport. Um, it's a game of failure, so uh, three games does not define who you are. So they should keep doing what they've been doing. I think somebody there was asking about advice for William. All right, uh, what does uh, getting a sweep early in the year do for this uh, young pirate roster with 18 newcomers on it, Cliff? Well, I definitely think it's probably good for the young guys to see uh, themselves go out there and know that they have played a different team and we've won three games. But, look, it's behind us now. we got to have a great practice today, and I know Campbell will be ready for us on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it's their Super Bowl. Uh, let's uh, talk with or let's uh, hear uh, Cliff talk a little bit about uh, Elijah Gill, who went 8-2 uh, and two as a sophomore at the JUCO level last year with an ERA of just over three. Uh, and uh, Elijah Gill will be getting the baseball on the bump uh, tomorrow afternoon against Campbell. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, he has been in that kind of role uh, in the preseason, and we want to get him out there and see what he can do. It will not be a long start, so he'll be on a limited pitch count, and then we'll treat it kind of like a bullpen day. So a lot of guys, we'll see a lot of guys tomorrow night. All right, cut 10 here, which is uh, Cliff talking about uh, the bullpen rotation. Hey, look, it's a long season, so there's a lot of guys that have their pitch down there. Uh, I mean, I would include Ryder Giles and Zach Agnos in that group as well. So, uh, But there's other guys. Spivey's going to be in that A group probably. Mayhew's going to be in that A group. I don't know if you saw the game on Saturday, but those guys pitch really good out of the bullpen. Um, and there's other guys. You know, Bradley Wilson and Nate Napholtz will most likely get an opportunity tomorrow. Also, uh, Parker Bull, who's kind of been battering some arm issues, is 100% healthy, so we're going to try to run him out for an inning tomorrow as well and uh what uh, the pitching rotation or what allowed the bullpen uh, to do so well against william and mary cut 13 well i think our guys did a really good job of getting ahead of hitters early in the count and then you know especially the relievers when you got a pitch that's a strikeout pitch they did a really good job of executing pitches you know, we walked a few too many guys probably on sunday but we were trying to get strikeouts in crucial situations and i thought the guys were aggressive they just didn't execute a pitch here or there all right, this is uh, Cliff talking about uh, Thomas Francisco earning uh, the uh, inaugural AAC Player of the Week uh, to start 2020. 
Yeah, look, uh, Franny is very coachable, number one. He works hard. Uh, he has always been a great hitter. The thing I'm most proud about is you know, he's really worked hard on his defense, especially the past two weeks. And if you were at Sunday's game, the, the play in the first that he made up against the uh, fence was probably the best defensive plays ever made. And it was a momentum swing and helped our dugout get a lot of energy. And this is uh, Thomas Francisco on winning the AAC Player of the Week honor. Oh, I mean, it's a great honor, but, uh, you know, I couldn't do it unless we had guys, you know, get on base. And, you know, really the biggest thing this weekend was just being able to come in here and get the sweep on William and Mary. That was huge. And uh, one guy that just really had an outstanding weekend was Garrett Saylor on the mound. Just him coming in those situations, being able to shut them down was huge. And that there's just some of the things that may go unseen in a weekend. And those are the biggest things that I took away from it. And this is what he had to say about uh, the Pirates getting a sweep to start the season. Oh, it's awesome, man. Anytime you come out here, you, you always want to get a sweep, and especially in college baseball, it's so hard to win games. Uh, to be able to have three days where we come out here and win, uh, it's big, and hopefully we're going to have a lot more of them throughout the year. And this was uh, Thomas Francisco, some of uh, his uh, insights into you know his approach at the plate and, and how he tries to uh, handle himself at the dish. Yeah, basically, I'm just thinking of uh, I gotta help my teammate, uh, help my team out, and really quality at bats is the biggest thing we focus on here, and that's one of the things I focus on. Go out there and have a quality at bat, and being able to help out your team is the biggest thing. So. And uh, Franny, on uh, did he make any uh, uh, changes as far as the uh, preparation uh, coming into the William and Mary series? I guess from a year ago. Uh, you know, nothing's really changed since I've been here. Um, we've always went about our business the same way. Um, just like we did for inner squad. And uh, final cut here from uh, the uh, AAC player of the week, Thomas Francisco, uh, what he feels like the keys to beating Campbell will be. Um, you know, just going in there, like I said, focusing on quality at bats and just helping out my team. Uh, we just got to uh, keep stacking the days back to back and uh, hoping that will uh, end up paying off for us. Full day uh, tomorrow of uh, Pirate uh, Athletics. All right, uh, we'll take a uh, timeout, and uh, when we come back, uh, we'll shift our uh, attention to NASCAR and the uh, scary crash to end it yesterday with uh, Ryan Newman, who, uh, in case you're just joining us, was reported uh, late this afternoon, is uh, awake, is talking to family, is uh, communicating with uh, doctors, so that is a, a good thing. Uh, Bob Pockris, who is uh, one of the legendary uh NASCAR writers now with Fox Sports is going to join us to talk a little bit about everything uh, in the aftermath of Daytona and this uh, uh, just uh, horrifying crash yesterday. Uh, so that's straight ahead. Patrick Johnson show. Patrick Johnson. For a guy who thinks he's cool, you're sure no fun. This is the Patrick Johnson show on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, we welcome you back in. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports, uh, NASCAR writer, joining us uh, here on the uh, phone. Uh, as uh, the good news coming out of uh, that uh, horrific wreck near the end of it yesterday was uh, that Ryan Newman uh, alert talking to uh, family and uh, his doctors uh, in the hospital there in Daytona Beach. Bob, I know it's been a hectic uh, 24 hours, actually more than that. So thank you for joining us uh, here on the radio today. No problem, Pat. What uh, so we got the update on Ryan Newman? What uh, there's there's obviously no sort of timetable when he might be available, uh, uh, or, or exactly the extent of his injuries at this point, is there? No, no, there's not. I mean, I don't think many people are um, <clears throat> too. Con- I mean, they're 
I don't know. Him getting back in the car is, is not the big concern right now. I think right. the concern, you know, remains that, you know, that, you know, can he make a full recovery? Uh, as they announced that he is uh, speaking to his doctors, that he is awake and alert. They made that announcement a little before four o'clock uh, Eastern time today. And, uh, you know, I, I talked with Denny Hamlin today. Denny Hamlin went to the hospital last night after the win. Uh, he talked to uh, Ryan's dad and, and Denny seems pretty, obviously Denny's not a doctor, but the vibe he got was a positive vibe that, uh, that, that there's a good possibility that Ryan could make a full recovery. Well, that, that would be great. Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, when you look at, uh, where this, you know, this, this initially had sort of a Dale Earnhardt feel to it. I think for a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, just, because it, it's been a while since there's been at Daytona that, I mean, that was one of the you know worst crashes I think a lot of people have ever seen. You've obviously seen this for years, and there are crashes in the sport all the time. But, I mean, that was so horrific in in its nature uh, that I mean, I, I I just you just didn't have a good feeling about it. And then some of the things that were being done after didn't seem to indicate that uh, this was going to have a good resolution. So to get that happy news last night that his injuries were non-life threatening and that while he was in serious condition, things had started to stabilize was, was really good. But you know, I, there was a good friend of ours there. We talked to him yesterday during one of the cautions, uh, talked to him before he went to Daytona uh, who, who, who was kind of, you know, having some fun about what he was going to do during race week. And we, I was talking to him and texting him last night he said the vibe in the uh, at the track was, you know, really unlike anything maybe since Earnhardt. Uh, so it was very quiet, and uh, you know, just you know, unlike the Austin Dillon crash or some other crashes in recent years, you know, where you would see the driver get out or at least see some movement. You know, you you, you had no idea on this one on uh, on what his condition was, and uh, you know, and so and there was a lot, so there was a lot of concern. Um, you know, but the, you know, NASCAR hasn't had a death in its, one of its three national series since uh, since Dale Earnhardt in the 2001 Daytona 500. And, you know, like even I was talking to Corey LaJoy after the race, and Corey had no idea that Ryan had been seriously hurt. You know, and, and you're so used to seeing these drivers get out of these cars and, and be okay. And so I think that and that, that added to the shock. You, you see a lot. Bob Pockers, by the way, uh, with uh, Fox Sports, uh, NASCAR writer, uh, legendary guy in the business. It's great to have uh, Bob on with us uh, on our, our radio show here. We've had him uh, on this station in different incarnations, so it's, it's really good to have Bob with us here. Uh, give me an idea, if you will, uh, about uh, you know what is uh, going on with uh, NASCAR and, and, and the safety standpoint now. I'm, I'm sure they're going to examine this car. But just, you know, the Austin Dillon crash, you referenced that of a couple of years ago that uh, went up the, the, the cage there. Uh, you know, that track, Daytona makes some adjustments to, to how high that fence goes, if I'm not mistaken, in the aftermath of that. Uh, they already made some changes, so that probably even saves some spectators' lives potentially. But, you know, NASCAR has taken the safety thing so seriously uh, and I'm sure they're examining this frame by frame from different angles, and, and they're looking at the car even to see, you know, how, uh, thank God Ryan Newman's o okay, but, 
you know, you, you, you know, how can you make this something that he could walk away from uh, potentially? I don't know if you can, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is from a safety standpoint, well, NASCAR is already on this. Well, yeah, I mean, so, so NASCAR took the uh, cars of Corey LaJoy and Ryan Newman to the, their R&D center. They have no time frame as far as, you know, when they may uh, disclose any results of what they see. Uh, but, you know, you saw LaJoy kind of run into the, really the roof of, uh, of Ryan Newman. And I think the question, that would, that would be the most vulnerable place on the race car because it's not designed to be hit, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I, so now the question is, you know, do you, is, is there anything that needs to be done to that area of the car in order to, um, in order to protect the driver? Yeah. You, you just don't expect it to be in that, at that angle. Uh, and, uh, but you're right. I, NASCAR will, will look at all of that and they take it extremely seriously. Uh, you, you mentioned Denny Hamlin and he's won this, uh, event back to back years. First time that's happened in, uh, almost a generation, uh, in third win, uh, the 500, which, which puts him in uh, some pretty good company or starting to put him in some pretty good company yet the, you know, a lot of people, uh, talked about the celebration. Joe Gibbs uh, apologized. They obviously weren't aware. But if you look at the, that, how has NASCAR kind of handled uh, that today, and how has the Gibbs race team kind of handled that last night and today? Yeah, well, you know, you know, in the past, they would go and celebrate Steak and Shake, right? You know, that was the kind of the – that's kind of was kind of their place. And, you know, and they didn't go do that. You know, obviously with it being a Monday night race, they had to get back to uh, – to North Carolina too. Um, Denny did do a media tour in, in New York city today. And, you know, I was talking to him and he, he hasn't really gotten a chance to celebrate it yet. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they, I think he will in due time. And I think when you look back on this Daytona 500, I mean, it was Denny Hamlin versus a bunch of Fords and there's no way that Denny Hamlin should have won that race. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, I, they may they they will never get kind of the celebration that they would want, but you know they're going to know that they accomplished an incredible feat. Uh, Bob, as you look at it, I guess it's on now to uh, Vegas next uh, for yep, uh, for the circuit, uh, and uh, you know this this will probably be the question that a lot of the drivers will be asked about leading up to it all week. Uh, and uh, obviously a lot of concern for, for uh, Ryan Newman, even though his prognosis is starting to look a lot uh, a lot better than it, than it was uh, initially thought. Uh, but uh, what, what will be sort of the, the questions you think a lot of these drivers are going to face from different media? Because, you, you know, anytime you have something that happens, you get a little different you know, type of media. It's not necessarily the NASCAR yeah. or local media. You uh, might have national media show up well, and question I mean, I mean, things. I mean, yeah. Well, I certainly, I mean, I, when I talked to Denny Hamill today, uh, you know, I mean, I said, you know, do you, you know, how much interest are you going to take in what in what NASCAR's going to do? And he said he he's already talked to O'Donnell and Steve Phelps about you know about what they're going to look at. Um, but you know, a lot of that engineering stuff is kind of above his head in the sense of that you know then he isn't going to be able to recommend what they should do. Now Ryan Newman's been a huge advocate of you know of. I mean, he obviously hates racing Daytona and Talladega, but of at least slowing the speeds down. And I think, you know, they'll look mm-hmm. at the angle mm-hmm. and hitting the wall and how much of that 
uh, was resulted in him turning over initially. So they'll the look at a variety of things. Yeah. Uh, great to have you on, Bob. It's always good to talk to you. I know it's been busy and, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. And, uh, once things settle down, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the season and hopefully have you back on, but I appreciate your time here greatly. All right. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Bob Pockris, uh, now with, uh, Fox sports, NASCAR, uh, a little bit of breaking news. Greg Olson has found a landing spot. Uh, those details, uh, plus a new football coach locally hired. And an update on Billy Godwin. A lot to get to, so we'll tell you about it coming up next. Uh, Before we go to break, let's give away our final pair of basketball tickets for today. Uh, ECU and Temple uh, on the hardwood. And uh, we'll also give you a family four-pack to the Home Fest coming up on the uh, 7th of March at the Convention Center here in Greenville. Uh, Two hoops tickets. Home Fest family four-pack will be yours if you're caller number five at 252-561-GAME. 252-561-4263. Back to wrap it all up next. The Patrick Johnson Show. He's the perfect stud muffin. He's a menace to society. Every weekday at 5 on 94.3 The Game. Greg Olson signing a one-year deal with Seattle. $7 million agreement, five and a half guaranteed. Uh, This reported by uh, Adam Sheffer in ESPN. Uh, At least that's where we're seeing it first. Uh, So uh, Olson, former Panther uh, tight end, headed to Seattle for at least a year said that was the uh, most comfortable uh, he felt. Uh, he, of course, uh, visited Washington and his old coach, Ron Rivera, and Buffalo. But I think this makes sense. This makes sense for Olsen if it's only going to be a one-year deal and if it's going to be kind of a last hurrah. It's the most stable situation. That's uh, the most competitive situation. And I think from a quarterback standpoint, it's the best quarterback. Uh, you don't know what you have really in Washington. I mean, it's almost like a total rebuild there. Uh, although I think they could be a little better than the Panthers will be next year. And uh, with Buffalo, until Brady retires or moves on, that's still the Patriots' division. And there's no guarantee that Buffalo can duplicate what they did this year. Uh, and and the, let's face it, the quarterbacking situation there, it's nothing compared to what it is with Russell. You know what you're getting with Russell Westbrook. So uh, uh, it's a good move for Olsen, I think. And uh, I, I got to think makes them that much more dangerous on offense. And, and you know, they're always in the talk and in the mix for the Super Bowl. Uh, in the NFC West. So there you go. Uh, congratulations to Josh Seymour of Greenville. He won the uh, pair of tickets, ECU and Temple, and also the family four pack to Home Fest coming up at the Convention Center. That's uh, a day long event on Saturday, March uh, 7th. Everything for the inside and outside of your home at uh, Home Fest in Greenville. Uh, Washington High School hired Perry Owens, their former offensive coordinator. I actually elevated him from the post of offensive coordinator to head coach. Uh, he played at Edenton. Uh, was part of ODU's first recruiting class. So, uh, Perry Owens, the new head football coach at Washington High. 
Uh, Billy Godwin, uh, we had inquired yesterday to get an official word. There was so much swirling around uh, out there about Billy's health status, the uh, UNCG coach, former ECU coach uh, for baseball. And uh, we had been told some things by people close to Billy, but I, I kind of wanted to have an official word before he we went on and, and proclaimed anything. And they sent us a, uh, a note right off we, after we went off the air saying uh, that Billy had a stroke, and uh, a minor stroke, and we continue to uh, uh, pass along our uh, prayers and well wishes to Billy Godwin as uh, Billy uh, is uh, recovering from that. I understand there was a possibility he was going to be getting back to the Greensboro area today, so I hope that's the case. Uh, Pirate basketball tomorrow night, ECU at Memphis. It'll be a 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock tip. That game on 107.9 WNCT. Our guy, Cy Seymour, will be back with the voice. And then Elijah Gill will get the start for the Pirates as they uh, travel in baseball to Campbell. 4.45 airtime, 5 o'clock tomorrow. You'll hear that game right here. Thanks to Bob Pachris and uh, also the National Weather Service. For Ben Byron, Patrick Johnson, we'll see you Thursday.